The following podcast is part of the MindBodySpirit.fm podcast network. Are you a healthcare professional looking to translate psychedelic research into practice? Then register for Psychedelic Harm Reduction and Integration, a professional training offered by psychologist Elizabeth Nielsen and Ingmar Gorman at the Omega Institute in Rhinebeck, New York, May 24th through 26th. Earn 12 continuing education credits as you discover how to better support clients who have an interest in psychedelics. Learn more at eomega.org slash thrive. All are welcome here. You're listening to unityonlineradio.org, the voice of an awakening world. Welcome to Spirit of Recovery, offering support for your spiritual growth and addiction recovery. Here's Reverend Dan Beckett. Welcome to the Spirit of Recovery on Unity Online Radio. We're glad you're with us today. I am Reverend Dan Beckett here with co-host Reverend Michelle Vargas. Together, we share ways that spirituality and addiction recovery intertwine and work together to support your spiritual growth in your own recovery journey. Facebook users, you can send us your questions and comments anytime during the week from our Facebook page, Spirit of Recovery. Just click the send message button right below the banner. And be assured that your anonymity will always be respected. So please let us know what's on your mind. We'd love to hear from you. Today's show is titled, Drop the Rock. One thing we need in order to grow in our recovery is to walk our path with principled honesty. This can be more challenging than it sounds at first. But if we're willing to show up and do the work, we can drop the heavy load we have been carrying and enjoy a lightness of being that will transform our lives. Today, we want to share our experience, strength, and hope on lightening the load through the power and practice of truth with integrity. We want to share with you today what we were like before, what happened, and what we are like now, along with a spiritual tool or principle that helped guide us through the tough times. We hope you'll find something in our experience that will be helpful to you in your own recovery. Today, we're going to be talking about moving from that experience of carrying a heavy load to a lightness of being through the power of telling the truth with integrity. So when I think about my experience of carrying a heavy load, you know, before recovery and even into it somewhat, although things started to get better pretty quickly thereafter, the first thing that comes to mind is that just given the way my mind is wired, I'm a lifelong observer, right? I'm much more inclined in a new situation. I would say more than inclined. What I do in any new situation is just be quiet and pay attention and see what's going on to see if I can kind of figure out how things work. Because I feel like if I can understand how things work, then I'll be okay in any, you know, situation, whether it's a job or relationship or the dynamics in a group of people or whatever it might be. So uh, just like all of us, uh, my natural way of being brings with it certain strengths. I mean, that's a really strong, that is a good thing to be able to do. 
to pay attention, notice how things work, put the pieces together and come up with an understanding of what's going on. The problem is um, if that's the only thing that I do, then I'm out of balance. So carrying a heavy load for me was um, not, you know, not, not having all the other balancing skills that might um, go along with being an observer and understanding how things work. Mm-hmm. So when I think about carrying a heavy load, I, I just picture I was kind of lopsided, you know, really good at some things and really kind of missing the boat on others. Yeah, when I think about what that experience of carrying a heavy load was like, one of the things that occurs to me is um, how much fear I was carrying. And fear is a heavy thing to carry. Um, I was, I didn't know this until I started learning a different way of being, you know, it's like, we don't know what we don't know, right? I mean, I, that's just how I was. I didn't know there was a different way to be. But um, I didn't realize that I was living, you know, from a very fear based place. So fear and worry. Um, you know, worrying about the future, worrying how things were going to turn out. Um, I was afraid of a lot of things. Um, it's hard to describe, but just sort of fear as sort of a, an orientation to life, you know, a way of that life was fearful and scary. And, <clears throat> and I had to worry about things to keep bad things from happening. And I had to Basically, you know, I attribute it to having no uh, spiritual life and having not having a relationship with God, having no higher power on my side. And uh, that that led me, you know, it's like feeling like I was alone in the universe because there was nothing other than me. And so feeling like I had to uh, I had to power through my life and make things happen and make sure things turned out okay, you know, like. I was in charge of everything. That's, that was fearful to me because we should never be in charge of everything. You know, <laughs> I had no, I didn't have this sense that, you know, I had no understanding of a higher power or a relationship with God, um, which is what relieved me of that fear. Uh, you know, that I, that the universe was a friendly place that, um, that I could avail myself of the support and the unconditional love and the guidance of the higher power and that I could move through my life that way. You know, it was, it was basically feeling alone and isolated, but I didn't know it until I knew there was a different way to be. You know, I didn't know that I was fear-based. I thought that's just how you did things. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. It's it's like that old analogy of the fish in the water, right? Yeah. How can the fish be aware of the water? It's all it's all we've ever known. Yeah. I'm reminded of a little one-panel cartoon, uh, almost more of a bumper sticker. Uh, someone's sitting there saying, "Don't worry, nothing is under control," right? Because the usual saying is, "Don't worry, everything is under control." Well, the, I, I was kind of with you, feeling like I had to. Um, like it was all on me to make sure everything went mm-hmm. okay. Yeah. And and so that idea that everything had to be under control in order for me not to worry, I really like that mm-hmm. opposing view that says, don't worry, nothing is under control. In fact, that's not even what we're all about here. Yeah. Uh, for me, I was generally uncomfortable, you know, being s- sort of what to me felt like intruded upon, right? But I was so uh, introverted that intruded upon could be, you know, you asking me how I'm doing (laughs) is an intrusion (laughs) or, you know, it's like uh, someone say to me, have a nice day. And I'm all, stop telling me what to do. (laughs) 
<laughs> That's how bad it could be. <laughs> um, so I was not comfortable. So, you know, with people knowing what was going on with me, because that was not, I learned for whatever reason, or I decided that was not a safe way to be in the world and so that's kind of a heavy load Mm -hmm. that itself but more than that all the things that I'm carrying because I'm unable to express myself and make Mm -hmm. connections Mm -hmm. that's what the heavy load part is yeah All, all the all the things that I would not have to be carrying if I did have the skills and the courage to share about myself Mm -hmm. and not feel like you know, everything's terrible and I should just shut up and I should not say that. And I mean, that happened to me forever, well into adulthood, what what you and I have called, and and I think what Brene Brown calls is um, vulnerability hangover. Mm -hmm. I had that really, really bad, you know, up, up, not so much anymore. I'm happy to say, but I'm telling you, it's took, it's taken me five years of pulpit ministry to get to where I'm not experiencing that very much mm-hmm. anymore when mm-hmm. it used to be a, uh, as, as predictable as anything. Yeah. You know, it's a just, Sunday afternoon. I thing. take a cup of water and turn it upside down. Guess what's going to happen? The water's going to go on the floor. It's, it was the same thing. It was as predictable as that. Right. Um, but I just kept at it. You know, I, I recognized that I had sort of years of not developing those skills um, to, I don't want to say make up for, but to catch up on, you know, mm-hmm, I had a lot of catching mm-hmm. up to do on, on those skills. And I know there are people that sort of live their life and never have that experience. But for those of us who do have it, it's, it's a painful and difficult road to walk, mm-hmm. um, but it does, it does work and it can be done. And I'm delighted to say, but that was part of the heavy load or heavy burden that I was carrying is, yeah not having those skills of expression I was carrying a lot around. Yeah. The other thing that I think I was definitely carrying, well, not thing, but things, a number of things was just a whole lot of um, negative self-talk, negative self-image, negative feelings about myself. Um, wasn't real obvious though because I also had a lot of confidence you know it people would look at me and say well there's no way you feel like that on the inside and a lot of us are like that right because I there's ways in which I'm very confident but there were ways inside me that were very negative you know um had a lot of shame uh not over anything in particular not i hadn't done anything to deserve the shame i was just a shame based person i had uh a lot of negative self talk a lot of negative um those core beliefs about self you know that i'm not good enough that i'm not lovable that it's never going to be enough no matter what i do those things drove me to be very um to be very achievement oriented and you know powered me through, you know, a degree and stuff like that, but, uh, you know, was definitely coming from a place of needing to perform and needing to achieve in order to feel okay about myself because I, I didn't feel okay inside. And, you know, it's not completely gone. This is, this is like a life's work, uh, but it's so much better. So that was quite a burden to carry. Again, I didn't know I was carrying that burden because I had really good compensatory skills. You know what I mean? 
I could be very successful. I could be very, I could present myself in a way that seemed like I totally knew what was up and I had it all together. But inside, I didn't feel that way. Inside, I was riddled with self-doubt and fear and shame and negative um, beliefs about myself that I've been working on for years and years and years. And I can say that I have laid down a lot of that load, a lot of that burden. Um, Like I say, it's a life's work. It's never totally over, but I don't feel burdened in the way that I did before, you know? Yeah, no, I I can echo that. And that's one of the many gifts of recovery is that we have, let's say an opportunity for me, it was, uh, you know, I felt compelled in a way to um, make, do the things to come into balance is all I can say. You know, anything from just like joining a recovery community, a home group and showing up at a meeting on a regular basis was a big deal for me. Just Mm -hmm. that, Mm -hmm. not even saying anything, although I did say some things, but just, even if I hadn't said anything, just being there was um, a big step in the right direction. And what I found is that the recovery program um, offers like an entire menu of ways forward. There's all kinds of things that, that become available that are all helpful to each of us, even though you and I are wired differently, we were still out of balance. We we're still carrying a heavy load and we still had to learn the balancing part. You know, the thing that that was holding us down is what needed our work and attention. And the program brings the opportunities for that, no matter what it is. I know that I was feeling generally separated from others. Yeah, I got used to it. I thought that's just how it is. And I have learned uh, since then that I had no real community for um, what I would now call a heart connection, mm-hmm. you know, a human, a real human connection. It's not that it was completely absent, but it was not. That's the kind of thing that, you know, a little something here and there is not going to cut it, at least for me. I needed, on, you know, on a regular and ongoing basis, um, making heart connections with communities. And I learned it in um, recovery rooms, in the rooms of recovery, and by working the the 12 steps. Well, let's shift gears. We've talked a lot here about this challenge of a heavy load. Uh, we hope uh, we've shared something that uh, help you identify with that. I, I have found that when, once we're willing to start talking about this stuff, uh, I quickly realize, oh man, everyone's like in the same boat and I mm-hmm. had no idea. And that's very healing in itself, but it's time to move out of the problem and into the solution. So what is the solution today? Well, in unity, we affirm that all of life is governed by spiritual principles. And the spiritual principle we found helpful in moving out of that feeling of that heavy burden, that heavy load, and into a lightness of being is simply truth, or more specifically, telling the truth with integrity. What does that look like in recovery? And how does it show up in my day-to-day life? I mean, it's not like we're going around lying to everyone all the time, right? Many right. of us say, I'm not, you know, I'm, I'm g- generally an honest person. So what is this truth that we're talking about? What's the big deal? So what, what can you share, Michelle, that you learned along the way of, uh, you know, finding your way to what we're calling telling the truth with integrity? 
Well, I think I've said this before that the whole recovery journey, at least for me, has been one of self-discovery and self-awareness, right? So I had all this stuff layered over who I truly was um, to protect myself from the feelings that, you know, those core feelings of not being good enough, not being lovable. Um, And so the recovery journey has been a peeling away of those layers to get to more of the truth of who I am, right? And so telling the truth with integrity, for me, ultimately has become telling the truth to myself or having the courage to to see myself clearly. Does that make sense? Like, I didn't have all these, like, external lies that I had to, you know, clean up or anything. It was mostly mostly the damage I'd done to myself, you know, which was not, it was damage that I had done by protecting myself. You know, I needed, I needed to protect myself from these uh, very core feelings of shame and not being good enough and such. And so um, I didn't want to feel those feelings. Of course, who wants to feel those feelings? They're not fun feelings. Right. And so I drank And I, you know, did various other things to not have to feel those feelings that were at the core of who I was, at my my core of my experience of myself. Um, And and over the years, layered more and more stuff on top of that so as not to have to feel it. So the recovery journey has been peeling those layers away and having to, and really having to have a lot of courage. You know, this journey is one of courage takes great courage to do this work. And we are all brave warriors on this journey. Um, To peel away the layers of, you know, facade and personality and ego that we all develop to a certain extent in order to protect ourselves is brave work. Um, You know, those are the defenses that protected us for many years. I know they did me. And so to begin to peel those away and be able to begin to see myself clearly um, has taken great courage on my part. And um, that to me is what the truth telling is all about, being willing to get to know myself and be aware of myself and see what's really going on in there. Sort of, you know, all that shadow stuff. It's a lot of shadow work, you know, and it doesn't have to be shadow like, oh, you know, I have this little devil shadow thing it's shadow is just any part of ourselves that we've deemed unacceptable which is a whole lot of stuff right because when we deem it unacceptable we we repress it we hide it we try to get away from it because it produces bad feelings so to me this whole journey has been about uncovering all of that shadow stuff and continues to be about that so it's mostly telling the truth to myself yeah, and I'm glad you said about courage because it does take a tremendous amount of courage to do this. But you know, I see it it's so many times in others. It's not, it's not. You know, we have it. It's in there somewhere. And and I have found that, you know, being part of a community helps sort of identify and bring forth that courage to change. In fact, there's a there's a daily reader called Courage to Change. Uh, in the recovery world, it happens to be specifically um, in the Al-Anon community, but the, you know, recovery is the same, um, whether you're talking about a chemical addiction or uh, whether it's behaviors or, you know, food, relationships, gambling, 
or what have you, or trying to, um, you know, control other people, which we all have that too. Yeah. What I learned along the way is I'm not, I don't have just one qualifier for this. I had, no, a, no, no. They're I had all the related, big right? one. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I had the, the big loud one, but then sort of right in line behind that was all this other stuff that's like, yeah. oh, that's, I can see that going on there too. And, and we're all codependent in a way, even if our main thing is um, a substance or a behavior. So yeah, courage to change. When I think about, you know, what is telling the truth with integrity mean to me? The first thing is that comes to mind is not, not responding, thinking about making myself look good. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm talking about? <laughs> yeah. And, and uh, you know, part of me wants to say, even though that seems impossible for me not to look good, I mean, check this out, right? Here yeah. we go. But not thinking about how am I going to come across? Like, if I say this, am I going to look dumb or smart? Am I going to look you know, foolish or wise or whatever. Am I going to look like I'm one of the gang or like, you know, I don't know what's going on. Yeah. Uh, being, being willing to set that aside and not worry about needing to look good and just say what's going on. It's like, Hey, I, I don't understand what, what it means when we talk about this, or I'm having a lot of trouble with that. Is, can anyone offer any assistance there? Uh, rather than, trying to project an image of being one you know who's good at this already or who already knows everything or who's very accomplished or what have you so you know one I was very lucky to find unity early in recovery and um what was one of the things that was really helpful to me in the unity teachings is the way we distinguish like the ego or material self from the divine self or the higher self that they're not actually maybe discrete things, but they're aspects of ourselves. Right. So, so the divine self would be our Christ self, you know, the spiritual self at the core of who we are. And then the ego self or the material self is, is what allows us to live in a material world, to be a human, to get our needs met, to do all the things that we need to do to be human beings. So what I like about unity is that we don't vilify the ego. We don't make it bad. Like our, our, our goal is not to obliterate the ego. Um, the ego is necessary and important on this human journey. But for me, what's been important was even to realize that there were those two aspects of myself in the first place, and then to begin to minimize the ego's influence on my life, right? So this telling the truth, you know, for me has been a journey of learning what the ego self was and learning when the ego self was producing problems, you know, so I have a thing about wanting to look good too. I mean, that's, I'm a three on the Enneagram. I am all about outward projection. You know, I mean, that's, that's my nature that I'm, I'm working to overcome that and expand that. But um, that's, you know, that's always kind of been my thing, this performative nature and wanting, wanting that external validation. So I'm learning that that's all ego. That's my ego's need to protect myself. So I don't vilify it. I don't make it bad. In fact, I thank it for doing its job because it helped me survive, right? Continues to help me survive. But I don't want it to be in charge. I don't want it to be run amok, you know. Um, I want it to be more and more as I move through this spiritual journey. I want the ego self to be more and more in service to my divine self. 
I want my divine self to have a bigger piece of the pie, you know, to have, to have, uh, to be piloting this vehicle more often than not, or at least more often than it was previously, (laughs) you know? And so that really helped me because I was so shame based that if I ever had a flaw pointed out in myself, I would have a total complete shame attack. I'm talking fetal position on the floor. Like I am worthless. That's how bad my shame was. Um, when I began to see that these were ego constructs that, you know, that they weren't my true nature, that these were things that my ego had come up with in order to protect me. It, it gave me that little bit of distance from them to be able to disengage with them a little bit. Does that make sense? It's like, Oh, that's yeah, the ego does. self, Yep. you know? Okay. That's my ego self wanting to protect me. Okay. How can I get a little bit more in touch with my divine self? And so that really helped me with that truth telling because I could kind of go, oh, look, there's, there's me being, you know, there's my ego self, like doing its thing, you know, trying to protect, protect me, trying to project this image, whatever. And I could sort of laugh at it and bring a little bit of humor to it, almost as if it's not myself, you know, it's like some other entity, which I know it's not. But like I say, that gave me that little bit of remove from it to be able to see it and laugh about it. Because I was so shame based that I just I couldn't admit there was anything wrong with me, even though I inside I felt completely flawed. But I couldn't admit it it was just it was bad it was really bad so so that that concept of ego self and divine self has really helped me work with those things more yeah I like that a lot what had come to mind for me about what what is telling the truth with integrity means it it means in part being willing to look within to discern what's going on and that's kind of what I'm hearing you share about willing to to see the mechanism in play uh-huh. As you shared about if you if someone if you felt criticized, how debilitating that could be. Yeah. But then you shared about how you can sort of see that happening and then get a little separation from it. And so yeah. instead of it completely taking over, yeah. um, rather than that, uh, you know, I still might have that experience. But then there's this other little there's like a crack in the door mm-hmm. that, I, that was never there before. And so that I can focus on that. And I have had a, a similar experience. So being willing to look in and discern what's going on and to um, be willing to take responsibility for my part in things, yeah, yeah. which is hard to do Yes, um, if one feels kind of under siege, which even though you and I are different in some ways, introvert, extrovert, we're different Enneagram, we still have that kind of under, we're under attack in a way, and we've got to defend constantly yeah. uh, against those attacks, else we're in, you know, in a very difficult and painful position that I know I felt like I didn't know how to get out of. But let's take a breath and hold that thought because it's time for a short break. And when we come back, we'll continue the conversation. Please stay with us. Are you a healthcare professional looking to translate psychedelic research into practice? 
Then register for Psychedelic Harm Reduction and Integration, a professional training offered by psychologist Elizabeth Nielsen and Ingmar Gorman at the Omega Institute in Rhinebeck, New York, May 24th through 26th. Earn 12 continuing education credits as you discover how to better support clients who have an interest in psychedelics. Learn more at eomega.org slash thrive. Promoting positivity and inclusivity, you're listening to UnityOnlineRadio.org, the voice of an awakening world. Welcome back to Spirit of Recovery. Yes, welcome back. We're glad you're with us today. If you're just joining us, my name is Reverend Dan Beckett here with co-host Reverend Michelle Vargas. We'll resume our discussion in a moment, but first we want to remind you that you can send us your questions and feedback anytime during the week from our Facebook page, Spirit of Recovery. Message us from there and let us know what's on your mind. Prior to the break, we were discussing uh, in the first segment this feeling of a heavy load, of carrying this burden. And then we moved into talking about the solution to that problem, which is telling the truth with integrity. So now we're going to talk about how practicing that telling the truth with integrity has helped us to move out of that heaviness, that burden, into a lightness of being. So what comes to mind first is... Um, how for me in my experience there's a strong connection between um, so we're we're talking about telling the truth with integrity which means not hiding right. right which means feeling connected to those around me which for me I would equate with a lightness of being you know feeling connected to those around me brings with it a lightness of being it makes the world uh, a, a more of an okay place to be and it makes burdens seem lighter and it makes some things uh, just go away entirely so that opens up a whole new all new sorts of possibilities like um, connection with others through a community and you know I talk about this a lot because it's been so instrumental for me as a introvert, you know, stay at home kind of person to get out and become part of a community, particularly a recovery community, uh, and how that's been a place where I've been able to connect with other people who are on a similar path, watch other people tell the truth with integrity. So I realize, oh, I can do this too. They're doing it. I see it. They're like role models mm-hmm. in a way for me. And so, um, you know, being willing to tell the truth brings a lightness of being because of all the doors that open up when I'm willing to do so. And one of them is being part of a community where I get to practice these skills and see other people practicing them as well and feel like, um, you know, I'm kind of on a team in a way, even if I go to another town that I've never been to before, if I go to a recovery meeting, I still often feel like I'm on a team somehow. We have a connection, Mm -hmm. and that's very important to me. 
Yes, absolutely. That's part of what makes the group process so healing, right? Is these things that we carry inside, these burdens that we carry that, you know, I, I think I said last week that we we suffer from terminal uniqueness, right? We think we're the only ones that feel this way or that have these, even even our flaws, we think we're the only one that have has these flaws, you know, and, and when we share in the group, we find out that so many others have, even though their lives may look completely different from ours, we share those common feelings, those common experiences, and that begins to cut across, you know, begins to, uh, begins to cut through some of that protection that we've built up, you know, when we see that others have those same feelings as us. And um, that helped me to begin to be able to, you know, I've talked about this being a process of self-awareness and self-discovery and essentially an uncovering of the truth of telling the truth to myself, allowing myself to see myself more clearly. And um, the group process really helped me with that because as I said, I was so shame-based that I couldn't see these things about myself. But when I began to see that other people had similar things, that, that made it a little easier for me to see it in myself. You know, it's like, okay, I'm not the only one who has these feelings. You know, I mean, I remember doing my fourth step with my sponsor and, or my fifth step, reading my fourth step to my sponsor and thinking that these things I had done were so terminally unique, you know, and having my sponsor kind of be like, okay, yeah, is that all you got? <laughs> like, you know, it wasn't that big of a deal to her. And that, that began to minimize some of that shame that I had. And, um, you know, I, I stopped seeing myself as so incredibly un- unique, even in my horribleness, I wanted to be unique. You know what I mean? <laughs> um, the piece that I always have to bring in because this has been the absolute game changer for me was getting a higher power on board and developing that relationship with the higher power, because it was truly, when I learned that there was a higher power, that there was this this vast energy and presence that, for lack of a better word, we call God, I call God, that loved me unconditionally, um, that was my creator, that I had been created by, that made out of love, um, that's what began to allow me to uh, to begin to tell the truth to myself. because. It, it gave me enough acceptance and compassion and support that I could start to look at those things, if that makes sense. In other words, I could begin to love myself because the higher power loved me, if that makes sense. Like, I needed that, you know, I continue to need that um, to feel worthy enough. You know, it's like, it, it's a process where the more self acceptance and self-compassion I develop, the more things I can allow myself to uncover about myself. Right. So when I was, when I was completely steeped in shame, I couldn't look at anything about myself as that began to be dissolved little by little, then I could see things more clearly. And like I said, that also that ability to be able to sort of laugh at myself has been really helpful too. Like, Oh yeah, look, there's me, there's me doing that thing. There's, you know, and, and I'm a self-deprecating person by nature. That's sort of how I've, I've kind of turned that shame into like humor, you know, because I can laugh at myself a little bit now. Um, but it was the love and ex- total unconditional love and acceptance 
and compassion of the higher power that allowed me to even begin to do that process. Yeah. And, and I've, I've had similar experiences and, you know, if we made a very short list of sort of the critical components of what for me or in my, in my experience, a successful recovery, that's definitely one of them. And probably the first thing on the list for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, I talked before about the, um, being willing to tell the truth with integrity opens up all kinds of new possibilities. And one of them that it opened up was making connections through what I call a trusted advisor, right? In program terms, that might be a sponsor, but in life in general, I would call it a trusted advisor because people who aren't even in any kind of formal recovery can still benefit from these spiritual principles. And one of them is, There's somebody who you can go to and talk about anything knowing that they're not going to share it anywhere at all. And um, like you had just mentioned, taking your fourth step and reading it to your sponsor, which is our fifth step, um, is is a great example of what what one needs a trusted advisor for. I'd had Mm -hmm. some people say that they were so worried about it that Mm -hmm. they, you know, would drive to a Catholic church in another town Mm -hmm. where nobody knew them just to be able to um, sit with that priest as a trusted advisor, because that was what they needed in order to feel like I can trust this person. Mm -hmm. So whatever it takes, but getting a, um, a trusted advisor, and this is explicitly in recovery context um, is, is something that helped me, move from carrying a heavy load to living in a way that's much lighter because of the both the sharing and then the resulting heart connection with that person and you know I've got people to this day I'm still in touch with who were there in the very first years of my sobriety Mm -hmm. who uh, I still will call and they'll call me sometimes you know we all hopefully we all kind of have a list of um, numbers that if we really got in a bind, we could just start calling down the list until we got somebody, you know, leave. What I was instructed is you leave a voicemail, just saying what's going on, you know, n- not give me a call right now, but Hey, it's Dan. And this, this is what's going on. And I wanted to share it with someone and here's what's happening. Thank you. And let's keep moving on. And, and maybe I'll get somebody or maybe I'll leave 10 messages and that will help me. But trusted advisor, you know, close, that's particularly like a single identifiable person. What I found is that over time, I kind of end up with a cohort of trusted advisors. Mm -hmm. You know, maybe some were official sponsors, maybe not, maybe some are former sponsors, but recovery friends who that I know understand where I'm coming from, just Mm -hmm. like we're doing today with each other and that I could talk to about whatever might be happening Mm -hmm. and make a connection there. Yes. Those connections are so important. One of the things I didn't get a chance to bring up in the first part was um, this feeling that I always had in which I can still have to this day of being somehow separate from everyone else. Like you guys are all this group and I'm sort of peripherally involved, but I'm not really in the group. And I I think it's just a personality aspect, you know, of it might be, you know, related to that shame that I don't have a right to be part of the group or still that feeling that I'm so 
terminally unique, you know, I'm just not like all of you. (laughs) I mean, I've heard so many speakers in the program share that. I think it's actually a pretty common experience, you know, not feeling a part of. And um, I know that's one of the things I drank over was to feel more a part of or to not care that I didn't feel a part of or, you know, whatever it was. But But this telling the truth with integrity, as I began to tell the truth more to myself and to others, um, began to break that down a little bit. Now, I can still very much feel that way. Like, you guys are all there together, and I'm sort of, I'm kind of connected, but I'm not, I'm still apart. I'm still separate from you all somehow. But telling the truth, being willing to, okay, so another aspect of telling the truth is willing, being, for me, is being willing to be seen, okay? Yeah, yeah, totally. Being willing to be seen. So that means that, and people don't want to see my wonderfulness. They want to see my vulnerability, right? When people feel connected to me is when I'm humbled and I, and I, and I expose my flaws, right? Because, we all have flaws and when we're pretending like we don't, we're, we're closing ourselves off from the connection, right? When I expose my flaws and say, yeah, you know, this is something that I have. This is not a great thing about myself. I'm not thrilled about this thing, but hey, you know, I did it. I said it, whatever. That vulnerability opens up the connection because it's, it's an authenticity. I guess that's what I'm trying to get at. People want authenticity, you know. Um, authenticity is what connects us with one another. Um, Otherwise, we're just, you know, it's just a bunch of false connections that aren't really real. But when we make ourselves vulnerable, when we tell the truth, when we tell on ourselves, when we expose our flaws, our vulnerability, our humanity, really our common humanity, you know, that's when um, deeper connections become possible. So I know that when I started in this process, when I started doing step work, when I shared my fourth step with my sponsor, when I started, you know, fessing up, so to speak, to things in meetings, instead of just talking about how wonderful I was all the time, when I started exposing things about myself, that began to break down those barriers and make the connections possible. Does that make sense? Because I was being real. Yeah. Oh, yeah, totally. It does. And I, and I, the phrase you used that really uh, got it for me was authenticity. That's, that's what this is all about. It's learning in a sense, it's learning to be authentic because if we're willing to be authentic, then connections just happen. Yeah. You know, after that, uh, another way that, um, connections happen for me or new possibilities for connections happen through service to others. And again, I'm, I'm still in, in the recovery community context here. All this applies to the world in general as well. But for me, I kind of had to learn and practice it in the recovery community. So showing up in service to others in the recovery community helped me make connections, which helped lighten my load and feel like um, I could experience life in a much lighter way. It's it's just so far preferable. Um, And the way I'm this, I don't know if this is related or not, but what what I'm doing right now at this time in my life is I've taken... Um, a couple verses from the book of Proverbs in the Bible, specifically Proverbs chapter three, 
verses five and six. It's the passage that reads, trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not rely on your own insight. Mm -hmm. In all your ways, acknowledge him and he will make straight your paths. Now that's very old language. I know that. But I, when I read that, what I hear is trust in that, that inner guidance, you know, that presence of the spirit that's within. Trust in that. And when it says with all your heart, that means completely. Mm-hmm. And don't rely on my ego mind. Right. You know, my constructed. That's what it's calling my own insight. And, and if, if, and I love this phrase, in all your ways. And it doesn't say worship. It says acknowledge him and the him here again acknowledge that divine presence within yeah. in in everything that i do and lo and behold the road straightens out in front of me seemingly by mm-hmm. magic so just be, you know being willing to show up in that way uh because trust is something that's required in all of this you know if i'm going to show up in a way that's authentic i need to trust that i'm going to be okay yeah. if i do this that's a thing i never had before Mm -hmm. i didn't Mm -hmm. and i had lots of evidence that showed that i was not okay Mm -hmm. times when i showed up authentically Uh, but showing up through service so one example that comes to mind is that um, and in my first home group it it was stressed um, to do things like you know you could chair a meeting if you'd been clean and sober for i don't remember for six months or something not that long Uh, but and you could also um, we we had a volunteer program where you would take a meeting into the detox mm. ward at the local hospital where I had not been in detox at this hospital, but I have been in detox and it's not a fun place to be, but take a meeting in there. So basically, you know, you go in and they have a plastic bin and inside there's the the little miniature, it's like a mini meeting, a little guide and some white chips and whatever else, maybe some program literature. And so you lead a meeting. It's always two people. Uh, two of us go in and we each sort of give a short version of our story, the five, you know, less than 10 minute version. And then, uh, you know, share about the program and ask anybody if they want to join this way of life. You know, it's this very compressed way of sharing. And man, that was one of those things where I agreed to do it because it seemed like a good idea. When it came time to do it, I regretted that I said I would do it. Why did I say I would do this? I don't want to do this. This is a pain. I don't feel like it, blah, blah, blah. But I said I would. And so I showed up. I'm not going to not show up. But man, if I didn't walk out of there every single time, literally feeling like a weight was lifted off of my mm-hmm. shoulders. Yeah. I don't know what it is about that context. Maybe some perspective like, wow, I was here and look and look where I am now. My life is so much better now than it was when I was the one in the detox unit. Yeah, yeah. You know, lots of gratitude comes from that. And this works and I can be helpful just like others were helpful to me. I attended a meeting in when I was in detox. Mm-hmm. And at the end of that meeting, the people who were leading it, and I'll never know who they were, it was in a different yeah. town than I lived in. I'll never meet them again. But they said, would anyone like a white chip? And my brain was so fogged. I had already forgotten what a white chip was. I didn't know. They said what it meant and then asked if anyone wanted one. And I forgot what it meant. And I said, 
what's a white chip? And they very lovingly just restated. It just means that, that you like what you're hearing and you want to take up this way of living. I said, I'll take one right here. That's the only white chip I've ever taken. The only one I ever planned to take. So man, showing up in service, what a way to lighten the load. Yes, but it took absolutely. a lot of work to get to where I could do that. Yeah, right? I can't do that on day one of not drinking. I had to work toward it. Yes. You know, this lightening of the load and this this lightness of being, boy, once we get a taste of it, once I got a taste of it, it's, you know, it's it's a good way to be, that lightness. You know, heaviness, not so much fun. Lightness feels good. You know, we talk a lot in the program about not feeling comfortable in our own skin. And and I think that's the heaviness we're talking about, you know, just mis, misguided, but guilt and shame and self-loathing and just all kinds of yucky stuff. As we begin to expose those things, share those things, um, work on those things, peel away those things, we start to experience that lightness and we want more of it. It feels good. You know, and today I can still start to feel heaviness. I I know when I'm starting to get heavy, you know, and this is a great reminder for me today, this, this show about, you know, what I need to do when I feel that way. I don't want to feel that way. I, I notice it now, you know, before I don't think I even knew that's just how it was. Once you get a taste of this lightness, you start to realize when you're not feeling that. So, you know, and my approach to it today is pretty different. It's like, if I'm starting to feel heavy, what is going on internally? Well, I've probably taken up one of those lies that I've worked so hard to get rid of, and I'm probably riding on it again. I've gotten on that bus again, that I'm somehow unworthy, that I'm just the crap on the bottom of your shoe. There's some, one of those old tapes is playing. One of those old beliefs about myself is um, is trying to work its way back into the rotation, you know? So that's, I need to just acknowledge it. If I can, okay, so it's uncomfortable. I don't want to sit with it. I don't want to feel it. That's why I drank. That's why I smoked. That's why I did whatever, all the things I did. My first reaction is to want to do one of those things. Give me something because I don't like this feeling. But if I can sit with it and look at it and try to see what it is, um, I can begin to expose it. These things, they live in the darkness. That's their power is being in the darkness. When I can sit with it and be with it, uh, share it with someone, maybe share it with God, just admit it to myself, it begins to come up out of the darkness and into the light. And that's the lightness that happens. Um, so bringing these things up out of the shadows and exposing them, they, they literally wilt away in the light of God's love. And then, then we begin to experience that lightness. Yeah, I, I, I'm with you 100% on that. And again, the way I was able to learn that is in the community of other people, watching yeah. them do it, and then being having the courage to do it myself, and then seeing the changes that just seemingly out of nowhere began to happen, the lightness. Well, uh, we've said a whole lot about this topic. So let's step way back as we like to do, and see if we can find a simple way to sum it up. Um, Reverend Michelle, if someone came to you and said, you know, give me the short version, give me the one minute version of how can I create a life that is light and easy rather than this heavy and difficult way I feel now, what might you share? Well, I feel like I always say the same thing, but, um, 
my, the one minute version would be to work on developing the relationship with the higher power, because that's where the healing takes place. Um, so however that works for you, you know, pray, praying, meditation, being in nature, sitting quietly, being in a church, being in a meeting, wherever you experience that sense of something greater than yourself, that higher power, and begin to develop a relationship with that and know that that power is unconditional love and that you are of that power. You are an expression of that power and you are love. And that love has the power to begin to uh, burn up all of this heavy stuff, you know, as we bring the things up and expose them to the light of God's love, they begin to dissolve. That to me, that's, that's my one minute answer to that. Yeah, you know, what comes to mind for me is what I heard over and over and over. And I know that it works because I've experienced it. And so you may be listening and thinking, yeah, yeah, I've heard that before, but I encourage you to try it. And it's as simple as this. Uh, Join a home group, you know, get in a community, join a home group, go to 90 meetings in 90 days. Don't miss a day. Get a sponsor and work the steps in order with that sponsor, according to the way the sponsor leads. And tell the truth and just if you just if when i when i did those things everything started to turn around it Mm -hmm. works even though part of me was like yeah but i'm special and unique and so (laughs) the formula that might have worked for everyone else probably needs a little tweaking for Uh, me you know Uh, no it doesn't actually one size fit me very very well in that case so that's my answer there awesome Well, as always, we have an affirmation for you, and our affirmation today is, grounded in spirit, I live with honesty and integrity, and I am free. Yeah, I like the free part. I'm learning the freedom nowadays. Grounded in spirit, I live with honesty and integrity, and because I do that, I am free. Well, it's happened again. You've given yourself the gift of another hour listening to spirit of recovery and we're grateful that you have we hope you have found something in all of our cackling today that will be genuinely helpful to you in your own recovery thank you reverend michelle as always for our discussion and thank you to all who are listening to the podcast via spotify apple podcast google play stitcher and tune in and remember uh, be sure to check out in the archive on unityonlineradio.org. There are several years of Spirit of Recovery podcasts available to listen to anytime you choose. And as always, we bless you wherever you may be on your own recovery journey. Yes, and listeners, please remember that you can connect with us throughout the week on our Facebook page, Spirit of Recovery. We welcome you to drop your thoughts and feedback for us. We'd love to hear from you. And as always, we invite you to join us again next Tuesday at 4 p.m. Central. And until then, don't drink like my co-host. And whatever you do, don't (laughs) drink like my (laughs) co-host. Instead, have yourself a wonder-filled week. Thank you for listening to Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world.
We talk to the animals and we know you can too. On the Animal Communication Podcast hosted by the three of us, myself, Julie Heert, Aaron Debbie Smith, and Meredith Tolleson. We will show you how to deepen your relationship with your beloved animal companions, whether they're alive or in spirit. As soul-level animal communicators, we explain the process and explore topics such as health, behavior, and play, all from the animal's perspective. So subscribe and follow us on Apple, Spotify, and listen as part of the mindbodyspirit.fm podcast network.